Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 58, and I'm drinking Sue's. For each episode of this podcast, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Suze on this episode because as I've explored the world of distilled spirits, it pops up in references, in cocktail books and blogs, and of course I've seen it at the liquor store, sharing shelf space with all the other spirits. The Amaro, liqueurs, and whatnot that don't fit with the long shelves of whiskey, gin, rum, vodka, tequila, etc. It's something that, though well over 100 years old, it's only been imported into the United States in the last decade. So it garnered a bit of mystique from cocktail fans in the U.S. who couldn't easily get access to it. So I figured I'd try it out and tell the story of Sue's. The bottle I have for the tasting is a standard 750 milliliters. It is 20% alcohol by volume, making it 40 proof. And it sells for about $29 here in the United States. The bottle is amber glass. It is tall and slender and a stubby neck on it. Sue's 1889 is repeated from the label up to the cap along the front vertically in a line. And this is pressed into the glass. The front label prominently features the Sue's logo in orange and yellow across the middle of it. And then faded in the background, there's a gentian plant. And then also prominently featured is 1889. Along the top of the label, there's a row of medals and awards that the liqueur has won and noted dates of 1931 and 1935 on these. A smaller label below the main label on the front lists the product specifics such as size of the bottle, proof, and notes it's a product of France. Below that, pressed into the glass, is the word Suze. The back label contains a very brief story of the spirit, couple cocktail recipes, and then government warnings. Alright, let's open the bottle. It's got a metal screw cap, so here we go. As with all spirits on this podcast, I taste them neat, and I'm using a clean Glencairn glass. So, let's give it a pour. One of the most notable things about Sue's is the color. It is a bright yellow. It's meant to look like the gentian flower, the yellow gentian that it is primarily distilled from. Okay, let's try it on the nose. It's familiar, but difficult to place. Let's try it again. I catch a hint of like a floral top note to it. Perfumey is overstating it, but it's a little floral. It's also herbaceous and vegetal. It's, you know, the gentian coming through. I guess this is a good description of what gentian smells like is Sue's. And now for the taste. That's bitter, but not as bad as I expected. I really had it made out to be just like, 
ooh, punch you in the face bitter. The bitterness builds, but it's sweet and floral up front. Trying it again. On the palate, it's sweet, floral, fresh, and some bitter then. The bitterness grows on you, and it's more of an aftertaste, a bitter aftertaste, but very floral. It's lovely. <laughs> Actually, I really enjoy this. I'm going to try it again. Mm. It's a low proof, too, so you can feel a little of the alcohol, but you don't really taste it. So on to the history of Suze. Suze was invented in 1889 by Fernand Muro, only a few years after he inherited his family distillery in 1885. The distillery wasn't in great financial shape, though, and it seems he was forced to partner with his bank manager's son on report, or the two naturally came to a partnership. Regardless, Fernand was tasked with saving the distillery that was on the brink of bankruptcy, and this must have been the motivation for creating Suze. It's said that he wanted to create a radically different aperitif and that both men believed in the future of chilled aperitifs and the power of a brand. So together they strove to create a new sort of aperitif going against the grain of what was fashionable at the time. Instead of basing their aperitif on wine, they used a plant, the gentian. With the idea of distilling the roots of wild gentian, a flower that grows in the Alps, you get a very bitter spirit, so it was combined with a secret aromatic bouquet and Suze was born. The origin of the name Suze comes from Fernand Moreau's stepsister, Suzanne Jaspar, who is noted to have been a strong gentian lover. Well, this is the story that Suze mostly tells you now, though they acknowledge ever so slightly that there may be another origin, and this would have Suze being invented in Switzerland rather than France with an alternate source of the name as well. And to me, this alternate origin seems at least plausible, if not probable. In the French-speaking part of Switzerland, near the western border of the country, there's the village of Saint-Vierre. In this village, it's reported by village elders that there was an herbalist named Hans Kepler, who invented the drink that became Suze. He sold it as Lore de Alpes, or Gold of the Alps, and again, always I apologize for my mispronunciation of French or any other non-English language that I attempt. But he sold his concoction or his tonic as Gold of the Alps. The name likely was a nod to the yellow gentian flower that grows abundantly in the region and was the primary ingredient. It's then reported that Hans Kepler, who was in ill health and financially ruined, was forced or obliged to sell his formula to a French merchant or industrialist. In fact, in 1998, at the age of 95, Kepler's daughter attested to the fact that he sold the formula to a French industrialist. That Frenchman would have been Fernand Moreau. And then we get to the name. Apparently, when Kepler sold the formula to Moreau, he said, You will see that this aperitif will flow in France like the Suze at your feet. The Suze being referred to is the River Suze, a small river, perhaps more of a stream, that's located mere steps from Kepler's old house in the village. However, there's some doubt for me around whether or not the aperitif named Suze was always the same recipe and if it was always sold as Suze. I'll say the French language entry on Wikipedia for Suze is much more detailed than the English version. And in French, it states that Moreau and Porte bought a recipe for an alcoholic drink in 1895 that would become Suze. 
It also claims that Suze was first sold as an aperitif named Picotin. Looking into Picotin, there's old ads referring to F. Moreau Company as producers and an illustrated poster from 1895 showing two donkeys drinking Picotin from a tub. Picotin also had a history of an advertising technique where they would counter-strike Le Picotin aperitif on coins, and the defaced coins are collector items to this day. If Sue's were first sold as Picotin, it may lend credence to it being named after Moreau's sister-in-law, Suzanne Jaspar, who loved the drink. But I'm not entirely sold on the idea that Picotin became Sue's. The timeline for these events doesn't quite line up for me. One source says that Moreau didn't purchase the recipe from Kepler until 1914, but this can't be correct. The primary reason for that assertion is that Pablo Picasso produced a collage in 1912 named Glass and Bottle of Sous, with the brand name clearly evident, and the date of this artwork is well known. Plus, Henri Port is credited with designing the bottle in 1896 that Sous is still packaged in today. But maybe Moreau and Port did buy the recipe from Kepler in 1895, sold it as Picotin for a bit, tried their hand at some advertising options, then rebranded as Sue's, complete with a new bottle, and perhaps drawing inspiration for the name from both Sue's River and Moreau's sister-in-law. In 1889, when Sue's claims their origin date on bottles, it was 32% alcohol by volume or 64 proof, and contained much less sugar. By the turn of the century, in the 1900s, Suze was getting into branding through advertising and sponsorships. And just like spirits brands do today, they entered contests and won several awards. In 1931, Suze was featured in a colonial exhibition in Paris, and the brand had risen in popularity since inception. In 1933, they sponsored the Tour de France, gaining high brand visibility throughout the country. In 1945, there was a major change to the formulation of Sue's. It was reduced to between 16 and 21% alcohol by volume, and more sugar was added. I don't know what else changed, but it may have been driven by changes post-World War II. Sue's continued their sponsorship of the Tour de France in the 1950s and early 1960s. In 1965, Pernod bought the distillery and brand. Pernod would later merge with Ricard, forming Pernod Ricard, who still owns the brand to this day. Production was moved from the original location in maison Ford to Tuir, France. The distillery it's made in now was designed by Gustave Eiffel and is still in use today. By 1982, Suze had broke sales records and sold 15 million bottles. 30 years later, 2012, was the first year that Pernod Ricard began to export Suze to the United States of America. Prior to that, bartenders and mixologists who had had the popular aperitif in Europe were left to bring it back in bottles as souvenirs in their luggage. It's been recognized as a traditional and historic product for over a century, even if the origin is a little mysterious. So that's the story. Now, how's it made? Suze is made primarily from yellow gentian root. The gentian plant grows in alpine meadows and is now cultivated by Pernod Ricard for use in liqueurs, notably Suze. If you're up to date with the podcast and remember back to episode 20 on Cascadia Liqueur, I talked a little bit about the fact that yellow gentian is commercially available and it's because of sustained demand for the roots. The roots are large tubers similar to that of an iris and in cultivation it takes at least 10 years before the root is ready to be harvested. 
Sioux's also contains wild-harvested gentian, which often is 20 to 30 years old when harvested. It's hand-dug with a special two-pronged pitchfork because the roots may be as long as a meter in length and weigh several kilos. Once the root is harvested, it's washed and cut, then macerated or soaked in barrels of alcohol for at least a year. The juice is then extracted by pressing and then distilled using a special process, probably one that retains some of the herbaceousness of the roots. The distillate is then mixed with a secret aromatic bouquet to give Suze its distinct original flavor and aroma. Sugar is also added along with caramel color and yellow number five because they're listed on the back label. It may also be rested for 18 months after blending according to one source. And of course, it's a closely guarded recipe. I'd expect nothing less. So on to cocktails and consumption. Sue's is quite lovely, just neat. I've enjoyed a second pour between takes as I've recorded this. It is really, really quite good. Uh, it also is really nice on the rocks and mixes quite well. A Susan tonic in a 1 to 2 ratio over ice is popular, but the drink most commonly referred to with Sue's now is the White Negroni. The White Negroni was invented by Wayne Collins in 2001 at Vin Expo in Bordeaux, France for the director of Plymouth Gin and Nick Blacknell, then director of Plymouth Gin. So, of course, the recipe is properly made with Plymouth Gin, so go back to episode 51 for the story of Plymouth Gin. The White Negroni is equal parts Sue's, Plymouth Gin, and Lillet Blanc. So in summary, what do I think of Sue's? I am surprised by it. I am very happy with the sweetness, the floralness. The bitter's there, but it's not bracing. I could see it really going well in a number of cocktails used as a bit of a seasoning, so to speak, to give it some sweetness and a bit of bitterness. Also, if you're really playing around with cocktails and colors, the yellow color might... Uh, allow you to create a color that you want. Yellow's not all that common for a liqueur, so it's kind of nice. I really like the brand story. There's some mystery to it. I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was invented in Switzerland. Maybe it was invented in France. Nobody really will be able to pin that down now, but it's a good story. I also like that we now have it available in the United States without, uh, you know, the suitcase importation, as it were, sort of gray market into the country. You can just go down to your local liquor store and get it. Yeah, so in summary, I'm glad I tried it and glad I featured it on this episode. It'll be a good bottle to have on my bar. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcast platform. I'm also on social media. Instagram and Facebook is where I'm most active. I love hearing from my listeners, so if there's a particular spirit you'd like me to feature, please do reach out and tell me more. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>